This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Voices of Experience, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, technology strategist and futurist, Crystal Washington. In today's episodes, Associations and You, we will hear from Susan Robertson, president and CEO of the American Society of Association Executives. If you've been wanting to partner with more associations, especially in this trying time, this episode is for you. Let's get started. On this segment of Voices of Experience, we have Susan Robertson, Interim President and CEO of the American Society of Association Executives. Now, if you're unfamiliar with ASAE, first off, I don't know where you've been hiding, but ASAE has over 46,000 members who plan over 365 thousand meetings, expositions, and seminars that reach over 200 million attendees a year. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today on Voices of Experience. My pleasure, Crystal. So let's dive right on in. My first question for you, what should speakers interested in increasing business know about partnering with the associations in general and ASAE in particular? Well, I'd like to say that associations are absolutely great to work with. I think those numbers bear it out. But more than numbers, associations are mission-driven. And so their conferences are an opportunity to advance their mission. We're absolutely passionate about what we do. And when we work with speakers, we really like for speakers to kind of catch on to that passion. Um, We want our attendees to have a great experience. And I think we all know that when a keynote speaker um, doesn't deliver for whatever reason, it can have disastrous consequences for the entire conference. So there's a lot of risk involved with picking a speaker. And that for that reason, associations truly go out of their way to educate and bring a speaker into the fold and really help him or her understand why these people are convening, what's important to them, what issues they're facing. Um, So we really do our very best to have a great relationship with our speakers and do everything that we can to ensure that the speakers are successful because that's mutually beneficial. You know, for ASAE in particular, um, you know, when you speak at an ASAE event, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a big event, and we can get to this later, why events or meetings of all sizes are are worth considering, Um, there's a real multiplier effect. Um, and I would say this is, is this is also true for individual membership societies as well as trade associations. When a speaker is um, has in the audience people who have an interest in the mission of the organization or practice in a profession such as accounting, um, what that speaker says could resonate to the point where they would get additional opportunities to speak within other associations or other businesses who belong to the association. That's absolutely true of ASA. ASAE's meetings are made up of association professionals who do exactly what we do. They're CEOs, they're meeting planners, they're they're strategists, and they're the people who uh, decide on how a conference is going to be put together and what it features. 
So when they go to an ASAE annual meeting, let's say, and they hear our general session speaker, they're all making notes for their own organizations as to whether or not that speaker would be a good fit for their own conferences. You know, one of the things that I took out of your answer is you mentioned the word mission a few different times. And so when you talk about mission-driven organizations, what came up is as you were talking about people listening for things that apply to them is the importance of, of speakers maybe customizing content to the mission. Which brings us to my second question, which is, how can we be better partners to our association clients? You know, some speakers just show up, speak, and leave, but what can we do to, to really forge partnerships? Well, that first thing that you said, show up, speak, and leave, is, is not what you would do to have a better partnership. It really means to understand the organization and why it exists. You know, for example, ASAE is all about helping association professionals do their jobs better every day. And so if a speaker realizes that and can customize his or her remarks or content so that it really speaks to those opportunities and issues, they're going to immediately be um, closer to the audience and it will be a better experience for both parties. Um, we love our speakers to, um, to really own the stage, to be engaging, um, and that, that really means that they have to take the time to understand our audience and what they're challenged with. Um, so, it, it, you know, as I said in my first answer, it's really an education process for both parties to really understand what those outcomes need to be. We want our attendees to leave feeling and knowing those outcomes are important to discuss so the speaker can be nimble enough and flexible enough to fold those things into um, his or her remarks. Um, you know, a canned presentation just won't cut it anymore in any way, shape, or form. I've, I've rarely heard a speaker or worked with a speaker who had a presentation that was written down and would, would be given verbatim at a conference of ours. It just doesn't work that way. Right. Okay, so outside of showing up and leaving and doing canned speeches, what are the biggest mistakes you see speakers make when contacting associations to speak? It's, it's so hard. I mean, there's so much clutter today with email and, and all kinds of, of ways of opening up channels of communication. But I think the absolute wrong way is just to send a, a cold email. Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of prospecting doesn't work. It's not going to get you where you want to go. Even if it lands in the inbox of someone who is in charge of learning or meetings, mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that that speaker is going to cut through the clutter. Um, I've even seen that to be true in social media channels such as LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what you have to look for is to pick your spots, so to speak. Okay. You know, look for industries or professions that are represented by associations where your content or your thinking or your latest book really resonates. Mm -hmm. And if you can make that content connection, it's, there's a much better chance that you will get a return response. Really, the best way that I know of is word of mouth. Um, if you've had a successful engagement with an association, ask that association professional to recommend you as a speaker to his or her colleagues. You know, we're all in the profession of association management. It's all in our best interest to share this information because, as I said, the risk of, of a speaker not turning out can ruin a conference, and we don't want that to happen for anybody. So the word of mouth or the referrals from organizations that the speakers had a very successful experience with really goes a long way. When we have meetings of our association professionals, it's not uncommon for people to say, you know, I heard 
so-and-so at so-and-so. They were terrific. You ought to have them speak at this meeting or that meeting. Um, so that's really the most effective way to do it. So you have to kind of um, focus your message and have it relate directly to either the mission or the content, the purpose of a meeting. And that really helps you, um, I think, distinguish yourself. So it seems like even in how we approach an association, again, it's about customization to the mission again, whether we're on stage or in that initial contact, it just sounds like we need to make sure that we're understanding the mission. Yes, I would agree with you, Crystal. The other thing I would say is drilling down further than the mission, which could be very broad, it's to look at the issues that are facing um, a profession or an industry these days. And to give you a top of mind example, uh, the coronavirus, which is affecting travel, it's uh, affecting attendance and meetings, that's going to impact the budgets of associations across the world, really. So what does a speaker have in, in a message that would help associations think more broadly than just this, this terrible outbreak uh, and how to weather that storm and get through it? You know, is it leadership? Is it perseverance? Is it innovation in the face of, of challenge? You know, those kinds of things would make a connection to a, a point in time like this. So that's the kind of thinking a speaker really needs uh, needs to have. And of course, good representation also helps tremendously as well. Okay. Well, actually, just springboarding off of that, I want to ask you about trends because I know that the ASAE Foundation um, does have uh, a research arm where you, you research foresight and kind of futurist things, which I love as a futurist. What three trends should we be aware of in the association's meeting space? Um, I think one of the things that is incredibly important these days is uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that is not a trend, it's a thing. Um, and the reason I think that would be very important to um, speakers is because associations are looking for diversity in the speakers that they select. So um, just being aware of that and the, the way in which associations are also trying to drive diversity and equity and inclusion in the experience of the meetings as well as the attendees is, is also a very important thing for associations to do today. The other is experience design. Uh, more than just putting a meeting together, as I'm sure you're aware, it's looking at the attendees' experience from the time they get off of the plane if they're traveling to the time that they go home, and how are we managing the most important moments of that experience while while they're with us? Mm -hmm. So uh, engaging a speaker and having our attendees listen to that speaker is one of those moments. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, really, that that whole process of education, of building the relationship with the association, understanding the meeting, really helps a speaker to understand where he or she fits into that overall experience. I think I mentioned earlier, talking about the outcomes, how do we want people to feel once they've heard your message? You know, where would that be best placed in our meeting? Would that be a great way to send them home? Would that be a great way to get a mindset going for the conference? Those are the kinds of things that really help us manage an experience. Um, and I think the other thing that we need to be aware of, and I think because all speakers are really educators at the heart of it, mm -hmm. is you know associations play an incredible role, an important role in workforce development these days. You know the the labor market is intense because it's it's shrinking. The skill sets are are high, mm -hmm. and we have to you know attract a diverse um, set of applicants, hire a diverse uh, set of of employees, and then retain them. 
Um, it may not be well known, but it's a fact that associations are the number one providers of adult education postgraduate. Mm. So once somebody has either graduated, and that means colleges and universities, we do more of that than they do. Oh, wow. Um, once they've graduated from college, yeah, or college or let's say even high school and go into uh, vocational or very specific kinds of training, um, that's where associations take over. So workforce issues are really huge for us right now, and they're huge for everybody. It's not just in associations. It's certainly in the private sector and the government. We're all competing for the same talent, and um, we want to, within the association community, uh, retain that talent. So those are just some of the trends. As you mentioned, Crystal, we have 50 drivers of change that are on our website, and if you want to work with associations, and I'm putting myself in the speaker's shoes right now, mm -hmm. um, I would encourage you to go to our website, asaecenter.org, and go to the ASAE Foundation, and you'll find a list of the most um, impactful um, drivers of change that we see on the, on the horizon for associations. And there's an immediate link of the content uh, that a speaker can offer to what associations are facing today. You know, back to your question about how do you uh, kind of cut through the clutter and get the attention of the people that you want to so that you can get speaking engagements, mm -hmm. speaking that language would be helpful, I would suggest. Susan, you just gave us gold. Thank you so much for sharing the link to the, or the information for the 50 drivers of change for meetings. That is massively huge. Thank you for your generosity. So just- oh, My pleasure. Yes, two more questions to go. Uh, one of them, and okay. this is something that speakers are always debating this, Susan, uh, behind the doors, we're in our groups, and, and some people are like, oh my gosh, you know, this, this is one of the best things you can do with your time. Others are like, I don't know. Help us understand, because you would know better than anyone else. Often super associations such as ASAE and its chapters don't have the budget to pay full speaker fees. So we might charge, let's say, 20 pickles, but maybe uh, the state chapter or the cities can only afford to pay three pickles. Or not afford, but that's what they budgeted for because they have other value. How can speakers better leverage speaking for free or a smaller fee, the two pickles, to ensure the partnership is a good investment and a win-win for both parties? Well, I, I, you know, I always put myself in the speaker's shoes when we ask that very same question. Is there mm -hmm. something that we can do to adjust the fee? Mm -hmm. um, and just to be clear, ASAE doesn't have chapters. Mm -hmm. All of the state and local SAEs are independent of us, but oh. they face the same challenges. You know, we're just exactly like every other association so far as, as asking for those kinds of concessions. Okay. Um, you know, from a, a speaker's point of view or from a speaker, speaker's bureau point of view, you really have to assess the opportunity to see if there would be ROI. Mm -hmm. And what I think can get overlooked is it's not always the great big keynote speeches at conferences. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes those smaller, uh, more intimate meetings that really have high payoff. I'll give you an example. Okay. ASAE has something called a five-star weekend, and that's meant for CEOs and um, there, and there's a sponsor for that. Um, they get together, and it's about 250 of them, and they have two education sessions and then a lot of fun in between. And uh, those two education sessions are an opportunity to showcase speakers. You've got, you know, CEOs in the room who are going to go back and say, hey, I heard so-and-so at Five Star. They were terrific, and you wouldn't believe the amount of business that can be uh, generated from that smaller meeting. Board meetings are another good example 
um, where you know may, you might want a legislative legislative update or you might want a policy update. You know that that would be very worth the while of some of the political uh, experts that you might have as part of your group um, to to speak and to raise those issues. And it could be maybe just a half an hour presentation. So those small meetings are are worth it generally. Um, you know, when it's a big meeting like that, you've got to look for a multiplier effect in order to either do it for free or drop the fees. Uh, for ASAE, that's kind of a no-brainer because we have so many in the audience who will hire speakers. So it's, it's, a, it's a great environment for that kind of thing. But for other associations as well within an industry or a profession, um, within that audience, you would have executives or practitioners who may very well hire speakers or need expertise. Also sells books. Let's not forget the fact that it's not just the speaking engagement, but it's the intellectual property of that speaker uh, that can be brought to bear um, in a meeting, and you can sell an awful lot of books in a book signing and so forth. So. Um, those are those are some random thoughts, but um, you know there has to be ROI on both sides. Um, the association has to see that great fit content-wise and understanding what what we're trying to accomplish with our meeting, and the speaker has to see that that opportunity would have residual value. Susan, can I just say I am so blown away between your uh, sharing the 50 drivers of change to the five-star event and board meeting advice. You've given so much gold in this interview, and we really appreciate you. I want to leave you with one last question to leave with our listeners. Is there any last piece of advice you would want to leave everyone with who wants to partner with more um, associations? And, and again, just to make sure that they're offering their very best to you when they do. Sure. Um, well, I appreciate that because, as I said, that works both ways. So to know that there's goodwill on both sides is very meaningful. I think the best advice, if you think about the common theme of, of what I said, is to know your audience and, and then speak to that audience and be authentic about it. You know, people can see through, um, you know, something that's sort of stood up rather than real. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the first part. And then, you know, <laughs> this is always a tall order, but being relevant and being memorable um, are, are really important things. How can you stand out from the crowd in a content area that may be cluttered. And, and, and that's not a criticism of content, you know, for example, branding, innovation, uh, politics, there, you know, those are big chunks of what people speak about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what makes you distinctive? What makes you um, memorable? Because when people leave, that's what's going to drive them to um, hire you or to buy your book or just to have the better relationship with the association that you've spoken for, um, and they're going to be proud and so happy. Uh, you know, as, as, uh, as an association professional, nothing makes me happier at the annual meeting when our general sessions are a big hit, because when they're not, it's, it's painful for everybody, but when they are, it just sets the tone for the meeting. So it, it really is worth, worth the while to really know the audience and know the content. for tuning in to Voices of Experience, the podcast of the National Speakers Association. Make sure you tune in to the National Speakers Association's Facebook pages for resources and tactics for thriving in the midst of this turbulent time. The members-only group posts are extra juicy and include information on how to sell in this environment, how to deliver webinars and virtual presentations, and much more. Don't forget, for Voices of Experience, catch us on your favorite podcast app, 
YouTube, and NSA's social media profiles. I'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.